Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Yeah. 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 Last time on Wholehearted Eating, we left our heroes. No, I'm kidding. Uh, So, (laughs) hello, everyone. So, we are continuing our series about um, the functional medicine pipeline kind of today. So, last week on the podcast, or last week's episode, uh, we were talking how a lot of people go through this kind of funnel of we start to have symptoms, we go to our general practitioner or different specialists, and then we end up in functional medicine medicine and there are a lot of different pros and cons with what happens in that kind of funnel Um, and we had also been talking about a little more about lab work um, and how with a lot of the time with when you go to your general practitioner and sometimes even functional medicine um, there can be this aspect of people feel like they just become a set of symptoms and labs that are trying to be solved Um, and functional labs are really expensive right so We wanted to talk about today how we use labs in a much different way in our practices as a way to bring neutrality to the conversation instead of as a, oh, this is what's wrong with you and these are all of the things that we need to fix. It's more of a, well, you've had a lot of these symptoms, like let's figure out what your body's been trying to tell you and then what we can do about that from an add-in or neutral approach rather than a... Obviously, medication is not within our scope of practice here, right? So we're not like, oh, your cholesterol is really high. You need to go on a statin. It's more of what can these labs tell us about what's going on? Do we need to do any referrals out to another practitioner? And then also, what are the main things that we can focus on now to get you feeling better sooner? Because people are not just a set of symptoms and data points from functional labs. I also just want to preface too that there's so much we can do with a standard metabolic panel and what you get from your annual physical yeah. that is covered through insurance that you don't necessarily have to dive deeper into functional labs if oh, it's outside no. of your like financial scope because they are expensive. I just want everyone to know that in there that we're not only talking about functional labs. There's so much you can get from just a standard lab with a couple of extra things pulled like you know, like your vitamin D, maybe a B12, maybe an iron panel. Like there's things that you can add on to a standard annual that can give you a lot of insight into what's going on without going in the huge functional route. Yes, definitely. Because as we mentioned in the last episode, functional labs are expensive. So I really only like to recommend certain functional labs when I feel they are absolutely necessary. And to be fair, like a lot of people come to me in my practice already having done so many different labs. And the nice thing about our approach, Christina and I, and what we do is there is so much that we can 
do and start to peel back the layers without having a single piece of lab work, right? So what we're not saying is you have to have labs in order to work with us, right? That's absolutely not what we're saying. This is more of kind of a bonus thing. Or if you are someone who has worked with a lot of different practitioners, you feel like you've tried so many different things and you're coming to us and I like, I cannot figure out what's going on, then that is a situation where going to your primary care and getting your labs that are covered by insurance is a great idea. That is always the first thing that I recommend to people because I don't need a whole bunch of extra stuff in order to help you figure out what's going on with you. So, but little caveat is like what Christina mentioned, if you go in, which actually at the date of recording, I'm going in for my annual physical tomorrow, right? So um, I had mine last week. <laughs> perfect timing, right? So, you know, springtime is a great time to do all of this stuff. Um, and so what you're typically going to get with your annual, quote, set of labs is a complete metabolic panel, um, CBC, hopefully with differential, which is a white blood cell immune system breakdown, right? And then depending on your family history, your personal health history, everything. They might run a thyroid panel. They might run some iron labs. They might do vitamin D. They might do a whole bunch of different things. So what we will do as nutritionists is depending on your health history, your main concerns, other things that we might want to see, we might say, okay, make sure you also ask them to add on vitamin D. Make sure you ask them to add on insulin. You know, a couple of different things just so we can check out, okay, what's going on? And actually, now that I'm talking this through, um, one of the things that I will include on our Patreon is the standard set of labs that I recommend people go request from their doctor. Um, yeah. Because unless you specifically ask for something like vitamin D, your, your doctor may not run it, right? So what, and they may, but you never want to be like, oh, I thought I was going to get vitamin D and then you didn't. And then what are you going to go get like fasted and then go get your blood drawn again, which could be, you know, an hour, hour and a half away or something like that. No, let's do this all in one trip, right? So we'll put that on Patreon. Um, but you can get so much information from even that set of labs alone, which uh, if your insurance is paying for it, take advantage of it, right? If there's anything that we need to retest or anything like that, then yeah, we can add that on afterwards and doing a single nutrient isn't that expensive, but also then you'd have to go for blood again. So ideally, we don't <laughs> want to get that done. <laughs> Especially if you have a fear of needles. <laughs> and you have to go but in yeah. fasted. And actually, that's another thing I want to bring up is always schedule your annual physical first thing in the morning if you can, because there are certain markers on there that will be thrown off if you have eaten breakfast or had coffee or anything but water. Ideally, the ideal situation is you're going in there fasted, meaning you ate dinner the night before and whatever snacks before you go to bed, and then just wake up, go do your labs, and then do the rest of your day. So I think one of the things that's important to know too is that the things that we're going to be looking for are things that are nutritionally relevant. So it's not to diagnose you with anything. So when we ask for or when we're looking at with our clients or if you're looking at it without your doctor and you're looking at your labs and you're looking at, let's say you're looking at a thyroid because you have a history of thyroid stuff going on or you suspect that maybe something thyroid is going on for you. Um, one of the things that's in kind of important to note is we're not diagnosing you 
with any kind of thyroid disorder when we're doing that. We're purely looking at it from a standpoint of like, what's going on with the thyroid? Do we want to encourage you to go see an endocrinologist or go back to your general practitioner and talk to them about it more and say, hey, I'm seeing these things. Can you refer me to an endocrinologist to get diver, like to dive deeper into it? And then from our perspective, we're looking at it from what does the thyroid need to function? You know, how can we support it from a nutritional standpoint in order to help it? And that's why for us, taking in that add-in approach can feel a lot easier to do because we're not looking at it from here's all the things that we need to remove. We're looking at it from what does our thyroid need to be supported? Okay, we need calories. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about why it's important to not cut carbs and what that does to our thyroid. And if we've been doing that for a long time, what happens when we do an intermittent fasting on our thyroid? Don't believe what they tell you. It totally screws it up. It is not for your thyroid. It is bad, bad, bad news. And then, you know, we can talk about things like that. What nutrients are in, are required? You know, there's iron that's needed. There's tyrosine. There's vitamin D. There's all kinds of stuff that our thyroid needs to, to fully thrive. What do we need? Okay. Are we not getting those things? We can then take that and say, okay, here's a little bit of what our body's trying to tell us about maybe what is missing in order to function optimally or to have all of the nutrients at play to support our various systems in the body. And what is the data telling us? The data is saying, hey, this is moving a little bit sluggish or it's moving really fast. What can we do to support that? And then what we do, instead of doing like a diagnosing you with a condition, which is wildly out of our scope, Now, again, I might say this looks a lot like you might want to go and talk to somebody about this. Um, But what we do instead is we look at it and say, what is the nutritional diagnosis here? What are we seeing here that might be nutritionally relevant that is leading you to feel the symptoms that you're feeling? And how is that evidenced back to the labs? How is the body telling us that, hey, the, the path that we're looking to go down is a really great path to go down because the data supports it? Or is it someplace else? Like we might think it's our thyroid, but we might get lab work back and be like, oh, oh, oh no, <laughs> it's actually this other thing that we need to focus on instead. And I think that's important when you're going into it, especially with working with a nutritionist, which I think is kind of the fun part about it from our perspective, because we're not looking at it from this place of here's how we're going to diagnose you. Here's what this looks like. Here's what you have to remove. We're looking at from a almost like my mom used to joke around about how I used to be an auditor and now I audit the body and then I get to look at how systems work and now I get to support those systems and make them work more functional, like make them work more optimally, if you will. But I think it's a cool way of looking at it and to be able to see, okay, with some basic information, we can get an idea nutritionally what you can do to start to support your body and what your body's asking for. Yeah. And I think that's kind of incredible. Well, especially because a lot of the time from the patient perspective, right? So like, for example, tomorrow when I go in for my annual physical, uh, well, first, <laughs> I won't get any information about the labs or anything, right? Just because it's like, oh, like, let's check in. Like, let me do the reflex test on your knees, you know, like all of that stuff. Yeah, everything's fine. Listen to my heart, whatever. And then when you have your follow-up, 
it's basically like, oh yeah, you know, everything looks fine or like, oh yeah, your cholesterol is a little bit off. Make sure you take a look at that or like, oh, let's put you on, you know, this or whatever. But one of the things that I really love about the way that our practices are structured is we have so much more time with our clients than you would when you go to your general practitioner or endocrinologist or OB or anything. It's just the way the system is set up, right? Like they they don't have the time to explain all of your labs to you, but we do, right? So one of the things that I love doing is explaining things to people from a physiology standpoint of like, well, this is how the body works, right? And so piggybacking on what Christina was saying, what are the nutrients that the thyroid needs to work? And then talking about like, what does working even mean, right? So do we have the nutrients that we need to produce thyroid hormone? What about convert thyroid hormone? What about the place where it's supposed to be produced and converted, right? And so looking at how all of these different systems interact, and then you can see based on your labs and matching up your symptoms and how you feel and everything like that. The thyroid is a great example because there are so many different things and so many different components that go into just producing thyroid hormone alone. And it's like, okay, well, is there is it an issue with the thyroid or is it an issue somewhere else, either upstream or downstream, like Christina was talking about? Is it the hypothalamus? Is it in the gut? Are we absorbing, like, are you getting the nutrients that you need, but your body's <laughs> not absorbing them, right? There's so many different ways that we can go that your, you know, regular doctor just doesn't have time because of the way that the medical system is set up. So it's really fun for me and Christina as well is we look at labs like different puzzle pieces and we're looking at the ways that they fit together to give us a better idea of, okay, well, given the inputs that your body has, how are things going, <laughs> you know, from an under the hood approach and what are the things that we can support in order to help you feel better that you might not have had any idea that was going on, right? So we want to talk about some of these more specific things, like the thyroid, for example, that we are looking for as nutritionists because these things are nutritionally relevant, but how this differs for us to give you some examples from like what your GP would say or like a, you know, quote, regular dietitian, right? So some of the things that we're looking for to double check on, because these are things that impact your symptoms, your quality of life, all the things, right? blood sugar regulation, cholesterol, markers of malnourishment, which we'll go into, different markers of burnout or like, yeah, your body's uh, under a lot more stress than you thought it was. <laughs> this is really relevant for a lot of my clients who don't acutely feel stress a lot. And then there's also a lot of crossovers with other labs, right? So for example, talking about blood sugar, we're not just like, oh yeah, like your glucose is high, like don't eat sugar, don't eat carbs. <laughs> That's one thing you will never hear us say. <laughs> one of the things that we can then talk about is like, okay, well, so since this is nutritionally relevant, there are things that we can do from an add-in perspective to help your body manage its blood sugar in a more efficient and optimal way that doesn't have anything to do with eliminating all of the things and eliminating carbs, right? So manipulating things that way. And then even before we get there, it's, okay, well, let's talk about a bunch of the different reasons why your blood sugar might be all over the place or a little bit higher or lower than we want it to be that actually have nothing to do with the food that you're eating, right? There are a lot yeah. of different physiological things that are going on that impact blood sugar. And it's not just food. Oh, just eat less and exercise more and lose weight and your blood sugar will be fixed. Uh, uh, that's not how it works, first of all. So 
Yeah, no, not at all. And I think it's important. I think that's one of the interesting things that I talk to my clients about, even with GI issues too. Like Dana, you'll talk about that as well. <laughs> and we can get into the functional labs of that as that too. But I think one of the interesting things is showing how so many different factors impact the way these labs come out, even down to your LDL, which clients of mine are like, oh, I have high LDL. That's bad. It's yeah, like, well. quote, bad cholesterol for anyone who doesn't let's know talk that about, off the top of their head. <laughs> like, let's talk what LDL is. There's actually multiple different types of LDL. Not all the LDL is really indicative of long-term cardiovascular health. So it's really important to kind of understand that. And we have the time and the capacity to break that down for you. And we are able to see the data and go back to it and say, hey, this is actually what the labs are telling us if we have all of the data points available. If not, we might say, hey, we might want to dive deeper into this and get more information around, hey, what type of LDL are we talking about here? What are contributing factors for that? Okay, let's play around with that a little bit. I think from a Dana kind of alluded to it about um, markers of malnourishment. I think it's really important for all of my eating disorder clients out there and the people who might identify with having an eating disorder. And I think kind of anyone, but um, from an eating disorder standpoint, one of the things that I'll use, and I don't require labs to start off with, but I might ask you for them. So the reason why that happens is that I need a medical clearance because there's a level to which that we can actually do certain types of nutritional interventions without it causing harm right from the start. And so we have to actually take that into consideration and also to your immediate health and safety. It also lets me know what level of care might be appropriate for you. What level are we at? Are we at a triage? Or do we need a higher level of care first? Do we need to go and find a doctor who's going to check your heart rate, check your blood pressure, make sure that everything's okay? Um, all of those different components that go into it. And I think one of the things that can happen a lot is that sometimes, and maybe this is like a whole nother episode another time, but sometimes what can happen is eating disorders can get hidden in lab work because it takes one a long time for it to show up, but also some of the markers for it will trigger a a physician to say, hey, you need to cut out these foods, when really it's not about that. It's about about, um, being malnourished. And it's important because they don't have the time to talk to you about that. We do have the time to talk to you about your relationship with food and find out more about that and ask you those types of questions so that I can then say, or Dana can then say, hey, this looks a lot like this. We need to bring in these other types of specialists, other teammates, you know, um, maybe a therapist, maybe a higher level of care, maybe other types of practitioners, maybe a doctor who specializes in eating disorders in order to give you the the support that you need because the data is telling us that something's going on with your body. And I think that's also just something really important for people to note too. And this can go into not just people with eating disorders too. We might have an idea in mind about something that we really want to work on. But then when we get the lab work back and we get the data back, we might say, hey, you know what? Actually, (laughs) actually, our data is showing us that something else is going on here. And we actually need to go down this road first because I actually had this conversation with a client of mine just the other day. I said, you can eat all the salads in the world, but if your body's not digesting it... (laughs) then it's not doing you 
any bit of those nutrient profiles, you know? And so we can be as perfect as we want to, quote unquote, with food to support our blood sugar or to support our cholesterol. But if we're not doing, if our body's not able to absorb it, digest it, assimilate it, and utilize it through the body because it's getting circumvented to another area that's the body has deemed to be more of a priority, then we can't focus on that other thing. We have to focus on this too because we have to create the building blocks for the nutrition to support you. Yep. And that starts off with like, again, if it's starting off with someone who has an eating disorder, we need to work on your relationship with food, your relationship with your body because that's the foundational building block to go from there. And then we start building the house on top of a solid foundation. And you know what's really interesting is we had mentioned this in a kind of different aspect when we were talking about the impact of stress and inflammation and all the things in the functional medicine discussion from last week and what is what we find just to reiterate is not talked about is the impact of a complicated relationship with food body image using those things as coping mechanisms exercise and everything all of that can show up in your labs so I feel like Maybe a year and a half ago at this point, um, Christine and I did a deep dive on a new study that had come out about how our thoughts around food can raise your blood sugar. So we won't go into that a lot, but we will link it in the show notes. It's super, super interesting. And so if you needed more like concrete evidence of like, well, yeah, sure, like my stress, blah, blah, blah. Nope, it really does change your blood sugar. (laughs) So that's just, you know, something else to look at. And then, you know, talking to what Christina was just saying as well is like, you can eat all the salads you want, but if your body's not absorbing them, like the nutrients aren't going to get to go where they want to go. What's really interesting is you could have that same conversation with a functional medicine practitioner and what they would say would be, oh, well, you know, if you're having gut issues, which is preventing you from absorbing all of these different nutrients and things, what we need to do is, this is the functional medicine person, not me. Let's remove all the potentially inflammatory foods so that your body has the opportunity to, you know, digest all of this stuff. And it's like, well, (laughs) ah, I'll talk about food sensitivity (laughs) testing and stuff later. But if food, and how many times have I said this, Christina, but if food is not the origin of the problem, which it's not in every case except celiac and food allergies, You can't look to just removing foods as the solution to fix the problem. There are so many other things that are playing into, for example, gut issues that just removing gluten or removing dairy or removing, you know, whatever the heck is not going to fix some kind of imbalance that is going on in your gut that is contributing to potentially nutrient deficiencies or digestive issues or anything like that. And further... The stress that eliminating foods, having a relationship with food, uh, you know, a complicated relationship with food, complicated body image, eating disorder, disordered eating, all of that stress directly negatively impacts your gut function and digestive capabilities to the point where that alone could be causing and contributing to nutrient deficiencies, which is one of the reasons that we focus so much on relationship with food and stress and body image and all of these other things. Yeah, it's interesting because I posed a question to a client of mine who has severe GI issues and I I posed this thing because they've been removing so many foods because they said, well, if it's my stomach, then it has to be what I'm putting in it. And so we went down this road together and we've been talking a lot and I posed the question of – 
do you think it's possible that it has nothing to do with food at all? And that actually food is the answer here. And that was the first time they'd ever considered the fact that maybe it's not about eliminating foods, but actually that adding in foods and eating more of a robust variety of foods is actually the th- it's going to be more supportive for them long term. But then understanding all of the things around what makes that so difficult. So I don't want to tell people that like, oh, you have GI issues, start eating all of the foods. I don't want you to take that and say like, oh, Christina said that. That's yeah, that BS. is not like, that's, what we're saying. <laughs> it's not what I'm saying. What we're saying is we have to look at if we're thinking about ourselves as a home, right? Or we, I like using a garden analogy, right? But if we're thinking about it from a garden analogy, we have to think about what needs to be supported in order to take care of that garden. And there's a lot of things that go into it. Is the plant getting enough sunlight? right? Is it getting watered enough? Has it gotten, does it have nourishing soil? Does it have, is it being tended to? Has it been pruned? Has it been fed? All of these different components go into it. Is it protected from the elements? Like there's so many different things that play such a big role in how that goes into it. And we're going to do a whole nother episode about the garden and all that stuff. But I think that's something that you need to think about when we're looking at labs and when you're considering what labs you want to get and what your labs are telling you. Mm -hmm. The labs aren't telling you the be it and end all. What the labs are telling you is what avenues are contributing to how I'm feeling overall and how can I support those various functions and which areas need support and at what degree and what, um, what's what I'm looking for? Like, um, what, what like um, priority is it going to take from there? Which area would be the most beneficial for me to start with, right? It might be stress, which is annoying because you're like, <laughs> what the hell am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like great. It's the hardest one. <laughs> and then, but there are things we can do to support you from a nutritional way to support and make your resilience to stress a little bit more accessible. Mm -hmm. And that's why, to me, the last, when we're looking at that, I look at it and I say, what here is telling me that needs more support so that I can create more capacity for you in order to address more things? Yeah. And to make things feel more accessible. Sometimes that's having conversations about why I'm having a difficult time even convincing myself to eat. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, to reiterate, right, when we're talking about these kinds of things with clients, it's food is never going to be the end all be all, which may sound really funny coming from two nutritionists, right? But for me, it's always a pie chart. Food can definitely be a piece of that, right? If you, if every time you eat, I don't know, basil, you feel awful, We're not going to tell you to eat basil, but what we're going to do is say, okay, well, let's figure out why basil is causing you so many issues instead of being like, oh, just cut out basil and you'll be fine, you know? So it's like, okay, yeah, food is a piece. Let's figure out what the distribution of the pie chart is, right? There's, yeah, there's food, there's stress, there's supplements, there's medications, there's exercise, there's all these other different factors that are playing into this that are creating this situation or the lay of the land that your lab work is showing us a part of in addition to your symptoms and your quality of life and all these other things. There are so many factors. So we can't just pick one and then focus on it and be like, oh yeah, like this, you know, if we just solve this 5%, then everything's going to be fixed. No, there's a whole bunch of other things that are going into it as well. Um, 
And that's something that I wanted to talk about with something like burnout or adrenal fatigue, if you want as well, because, and this is kind of, you know, crazy for people to think about, but because there is such a tie-in with nervous system regulation and different minerals and everything like that, I can see a lot of different markers of chronic stress and burnout just in your blood work alone without you ever stepping into my virtual office and talking to me. Like I can look at blood work for people before the session and be like, oh yeah, this is definitely, this is definitely a part of their equation. <laughs> and then what happens is then, then they come in and we, and they start talking talk about their symptoms. We're like, yeah, the data supports that. That makes total sense that you feel this way. And I feel like that's really validating, but I want to go back to the pie chart thing real quick because I want to address like a couple of little little nuggets that are in there. I think one thing that can be really difficult is that oftentimes when we think about this pie chart, um, we don't consider the things that are completely out of our control. We're not in control necessarily of our financial picture. We're not completely in control of what access we have. We're not in control of that we are night workers and we work at night and that like throws everything (laughs) into a whole thing. We can't necessarily control the generational trauma that we've experienced. We don't control the medical stigma that comes into it that plays a large role and makes us nervous in going and getting lab work done. Like we don't have control over a lot of those different pieces. And so sometimes I think what can happen as a result of that is that we can hyper-focus on something that we think that we can control, like food. And so we become hyper-vigilant around that because everything else feels so out of our control. But what we can do is, this is where working with someone who can support you in this way, and a lot of different nutritionists can do this too, who have a a weight-inclusive approach and who can look at this for you as well, can help help you being able to prioritize and also know like if I become hyper vigilant on my food that pulls a string that impacts this other area of the circle that's already taxed and I can't do that anymore and so what can I do to support that other circle to make it a little bit easier even if I can't completely remove it maybe I am supporting an ailing parent and I can't get out of that right and that is stressful and that is awful or I have this really intense trauma okay What can we do to support that in order to help you from that perspective? And how can nutrition play a role in that, not be the holy grail that's going to unlock and solve everything? Because it's not, because we're so much more complicated and the pie chart is full of a ton of different shit that we can't control in any way, shape or form. And that was, you know, just the way we can't control diet culture. We can't control all those things. And how it impacts us, but yet it does impact us. So I think that's like an important thing that I wanted to go back to about the pie chart and just let everybody know, like it makes sense why we then hyper focus on something that we feel like we can control. We feel like we can control our food. We feel like we can control our exercise. So we get completely stuck in it. But really doing that pulls a thread that then impacts the rest of the circle. And so coming at it from a much more compassionate and capacity standpoint of like, how can we make the circle feel a little bit more evenly distributed? Yep, definitely. And, you know, one other thing we wanted to talk about as well is when we look at not only all of the pie chart pieces that are contributing to the way that the cookie is crumbling in the sense that 
your labs are, right? Like they're just here. One of the reasons that I love labs so much is <laughs> your body's not lying to you, right? Like that's, it's just labs, you know? It's just your blood sugar number. It's just your cholesterol number. It's just, this is how it is now. This is a data point. There's nothing in, and this is what makes us different from a lot of other practitioners, is your lab work is not a report card. It's not, oh, you've been doing good. You know, like, oh, you're doing bad. There are, here's all the things you need to fix. It's, no, this is just what's going on with your body, you know? And it's, that gives us a direction that we want to, or that we can decide, how do we want to support this, right? What is the best way to assist my body right now? And one of the things that labs can tell us as well, just your, you know, your annual labs that you get from your general practitioner is, okay, we're seeing... First, we do symptom presentation. Okay, what are what are all the things that you're experiencing? What are the things that are contributing to a less optimal quality of life for you that you want to address? How do I see that showing up in your labs? Like what degree is that? Is there anything else that we need to focus on or wonder about there? Is there anything else we need to test? This is where other types of labs can come in. So if I'm seeing a, you know, a blood work presentation that has a lot of stress and you're talking me you're talking to me about a lot of different GI issues and you know maybe you were recently sick and other things like that, we might want to do stool testing, right? Or if you're exhausted all the time and your blood sugar is all over the place, I might want to do an HTMA, which is hair testing mineral analysis, which is where we can go into what's the rate at your body is, you know, using different nutrients. Have you burned through all of your nutrients? You know, like where are you in the kind of burnout spectrum cascade? Because very interestingly, your body uses different uh, like rates of nutrient utilization at the different stages of burnout. So that can give me a different idea. You know, Christine and I had also talked about there's so many other different types of, you know, functional lab testing. Like there's a popular one is called Dutch testing, which is a saliva hormone panel, which I really use because it's so freaking expensive. It gives you a lot of data, but it's just like, oh my God, I'm not shelling out $500 on a test, literally $500 minimum. It's a lot, right? And there's a lot of other tests that you can do as well, including food sensitivity testing, which I think is a waste of your money. We'll go into that later, but don't bother. Just I agree. Based on blood work. <laughs> There are a lot of things that, you know, it's a starting point and it's also like, look at all these other things that we can do, you know, depending on your symptoms, your financial situation, right? And it's also the job of us as your practitioners not to be like, oh, well, you know, just just order all these labs and then we'll figure it out. It's like, no, like, let's start with the stuff that's not free because nothing's ever free, but the stuff that's covered by your insurance. And then if it's necessary, what are the things that we can do to start out? Do we need additional testing to really figure out what's going on? And the really nice thing about having not only one lab, but maybe another one is seeing the crossover between the two of them. Oh, I see this in your blood work. I also see it in your stool test, right? Oh, I see that, you know, there are imbalances here with, let's say, for example, your blood sugar in your blood work. Oh, I see a bunch of these mineral imbalances, which are contributing to a more uh, negative or imbalanced blood sugar presentation because you need these minerals to balance your blood sugar, right? In the HTMA or something like that. So that can be really cool. And if you're a massive nerd like me who loves <laughs> digging into the data, you're going to get an entire labs table and breakdown every time that you get new lab work with me. And Christina does the same thing. So we just, we love it. <laughs> I know. I love doing that with clients when I get the data. And I, I think one of the things that clients like the most is when I break down just their normal, like 
their normal annual physical blood work and break it down for them like here's what this means here's what that means even if there's nothing like nutritionally relevant they're like no one's ever walked me through this I have no idea what any of this means and so I find it to be really fun and clients are always like can we record this so I can (laughs) go back and listen to it another time um so yeah maybe in the future we will record something like that for you guys yeah but um but I think one of the things I want to go back to the scorecard aspect of it, and I think that's a huge component too, is when I think especially things like blood sugar and cholesterol, there is a stigma associated with it too and a lot of fear. And I think one of the things that people, because there's so much nutritional stuff that's like intertwined with those things, or at least in the mass mass media, how it's portrayed – that it looks like that's your in your control and that if you have elevated blood sugars or your elevated A1C or cholesterol numbers that are elevated, that it's somehow your fault or the way that you're eating, moving, or whatever. Yes, health-promoting behaviors can, can impact those numbers, but like we said, that's just one part of a puzzle that also has a small contributing factor to how all of those those numbers kind of come to be and that's not how the body works you know you don't give yourself diabetes and I think that's really important for people to know too because I know that there is a lot of stigma around that and there's a lot of internal stigma around that as well people think that especially clients and individuals who maybe have binge eating disorder and they feel like they're they have this stigma that like oh well this is going to come up or even someone with with anorexia or bulimia, it's not just binge eating disorder. I want to make that very, very clear. But there is a fear with a lot of individuals around getting elevated cholesterol or getting elevated blood sugar and feeling like it's their fault or something that they've done. And I just want to make it perfectly clear right off the bat that that's not the case and that you're not getting scored. I don't think you're good or bad. I don't think it says anything. I don't correlate that back to a body size, even though it feels like it does, it does not. And so I just wanted to bring that up real quick and just like let people hear that around the scorecard piece and how important that is for you to know that at no point is any of the data that we're getting here in any way make us think or score or judge you in any way, shape, or form? This is information. And we're a bunch of nerds up here <laughs> who like to dig into it and like to say like, ooh, yeah. what can we, how can we play with this number? Yeah. You know, or like, what is that number telling us? And how can we support you so that you can feel better? And a lot of times, like, the way that I look at something like blood sugar is like a lot of times clients will come to me and say, I'm really tired. Oh, well, that makes sense. Like you're kind of hypoglycemic in the morning. Like let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about how we can support that. Um, and so I think that that's important. And I just wanted to note that the way that we're always looking at any of the data that we're getting, including functional information, is more from a, a standpoint of even if you've done severe dieting and you're and we come back and you're like, wow, I don't have any gut bacteria. It's okay. Yeah. You know, it's okay. We're, you know, the body's resilient. It's a garden. And you know what we can do? We can feed it. And we can work through all of those different types of things and we can support it. And you know what? The body loves to thrive and it's always trying to thrive. And all it's doing is telling you some information so that we can go back to learning the language of our body what it's telling you so that you can respond accordingly and also decide for yourself 
the level to which nutritional interventions that you even want to engage with. You get to decide. And there's no failing if you do decide that you want to do any nutrition interventions. When we work with you, (laughs) as opposed (laughs) to this whole all or nothing bullshit that's out there, there's no failing at nutrition interventions, right? And we, we mentioned this on the last episode as well, is like you could be, you know, a super type A person, all your ducks in line, you get lab work every six months for the past 10 years. Maybe you have a family history or predisposition to some kind of health condition that you've heard can be impacted by, you know, food and health and all these things. And so you do all the things, you check all the boxes, you've read all the books, and then you somehow still get the health condition, that does not mean that it's your fault. And that can be scary because like Christine was mentioning of this aspect of there's so many parts of our health that are outside of our control and we're just trying to do our best and hang on because there's a lot of fear and shame and stigma associated with a lot of these different health conditions, especially blood sugar, heart disease, cholesterol, you know, all the things because they're so, so tied up with nutrition and the medical field and everything. But none of this is ever your fault. You could do all of the things and you might still get the health condition. You could do none of the things and live to be 105 and eat like my grandparents, like just eat, you know, white bread and milk chocolate and, you know, drink and you'd be fine. (laughs) The picture of health, you know, when they're like 95. So there are a lot of things that are outside of our control. This is not functional medicine. We're not like, why we're 100% in or 100% not, right? Like Christine has reiterated a couple of times, it's what's your body trying to tell you from a cellular perspective, right? That's what we're looking at with blood work. When we're looking at stool testing, it's like, well, what's the gut trying to tell you? HTMA is like, well, what are your nutrients trying to tell you, right? And there's never any aspect of like, you did this to yourself, you know, this is your fault. It's, this is some information Now that we have the information, the insider information, if you will, let's figure out a couple of different avenues that we can choose to go if we want to, as well as, of course, is there something we need to triage, right? Is there something really going on here that needs attention? If you do have a family history of something like heart disease or diabetes or something, yeah, we might focus more in that area, but it's not like you must now cut out all carbs and sugars and all of the things, right? Because that's a higher stress that I can actually uh, raise your blood sugar and other things like that. So we hope that this has been helpful, kind of a reframe. Um, And then another thing to keep in mind too is I think we'll do more deep dives on different specific labs. Um, So for example, I use a lot of stool testing in my practice. Um, Yeah, we're going to talk about poop. It's been a while. (laughs) Get ready. Um, We'll talk about stool testing and, you know, why that can be really helpful, what it's looking for, how it's different than when you go to a gastroenterologist or anything like that. Um, If you all want to know more about a specific kind of lab, so for example, like we had talked about before, uh, organic acids testing or heavy metals testing or... um, hormone urine testing like the dutch test or htma which is the mineral one that i mentioned um which by the way is the i think the least expensive functional medicine test that you can get and extremely informational so that's one that i like to use a lot of the time because it's only like i don't know 80 bucks or something like that whereas other functional medicine testing can be between as you've heard 250 and maybe 500 plus dollars depending on where you get it from. easily so easily 
just, you know, shell out. It's like going to Whole Foods, whole paycheck, right? But <laughs> we hope this has been really helpful for you. We'd love to have your feedback. Um, Christina, is there anything else you wanted to add or leave the people with for today? <laughs> No, except I think it'd be kind of cool for us to talk about how stool testing and eating disorders and what kind of data we get back from that and what that can tell us about our relationship with food, I think would be really interesting. So let us know if you want to hear about that as well, and we can dive into it. But no, I think, yeah, no, nothing that I want to leave everybody with. <laughs> okay. We're good. Cool. I think I think we've covered it. <laughs> yeah. And the, I mean, there's obviously so much more that we could talk about with this. And so we'll be continuing the series over the next couple of weeks with different aspects of this. Um, and then we have a lot of great guest interviews coming up as well. And I mentioned a couple of times some of the stuff that we'll be sharing on Patreon too. So if you want, for example, like, what are the labs that I would be great for me to order from my practitioner? Um, we also, I think I might have mentioned this on the last episode, but if you are going to the doctor and you are someone who feels like your doctor is a little bit um, fat phobic, let's say, or your visits tend to be very weight centric, um, we have what's called a medical weight decline card that we will share in Patreon as well, which is where basically it says, I would really prefer not to be weighed unless it is absolutely medically necessary. And even so, please don't tell me the weight. Please don't put it on the paper that you print out when you give me, because a lot of this is about trying to create a more safe and comfortable experience on your part. And that's all we want for you. Well, that's not all we want, but that's one of the things that we want for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, have a good day, guys, and we'll see you soon. Hey, friends, it's Dana, and thanks so much for listening to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast today. Find us on social media at Wholehearted Eating Pod on Instagram and at wholeheartedeating.com for more information about working with Dana and Christina for one on one nutrition counseling. If you love the show, we would love you forever if you'd share an episode with your family and friends or tag us on social media or leave a five-star rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts to help more people find the show. Check out patreon.com slash wholeheartedeating to help support the show and get access to ad-free episodes, bonus episodes with us and our guests, episode discussions, new resources we're creating for Patreon, and so much more. If you have questions for us, feedback on the show, potential topics or guests you'd love to have on, shoot us an email at hello at wholeheartedeating.com and we'll see you next week.